Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 203 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is Barbara. 203. That's pretty amazing. Just saying. I thought 200 was amazing, and now we're already to 203. Where did those three weeks go? (laughs) (laughs) So what's happening, Barb? How are you? I'm good. I'm on a girl's trip with my favorite person, so. Well, I'm not there, so you must be talking about somebody else. Yeah. Me. So what's up with you? I had an amazing week. I got to visit some of the plain states. I flew into Springfield, Missouri, and I got to give a presentation at Edmonds Dental Prosthetics. Oh, I love Steve Edmonds. He's so amazing. Is he still there? I did not get to meet him. Yeah, great lab out there. And then I got a car, and I got to take a tour to so many great labs in Tulsa and Oklahoma City. Wow. There are some great labs out there doing some amazing things. You didn't get a preach shout out, though. This is normally where you say, and I was there for preach. Well, I was getting there. You had to give me a little I time. you were. <laughs> <laughs> but I love trips like this because it gives me confidence in how strong our industry really is. It didn't matter what size or what technology adaption or what skill the lab was that I was in. They were all killing whatever they were doing. It was great. You sound pumped up, just saying. It gets me excited to see so many labs doing great things. coming through your voice. It sounds great. Of course, I still get asked if I know of any employees that they can hire. (laughs) It doesn't matter where I go or what state I'm in. You know, everyone's asked me, do I know anybody? Do I know a dental technician? Do I know a removable technician? I'm like, I don't even know anybody in this state, let alone a technician. (laughs) (laughs) Guess what? It's less than two weeks to LMT Lab Day Chicago. Did you know that? It's absolutely it is. I'm super excited. Mm-hmm. And of course, we still have to continue to talk about it. <laughs> Doesn't matter. We're going to talk about it up until what it happens because you know what? It's worth it. Yep. So what do you think? It's probably not going to be as big as past lab days. No, I don't think so. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, but it's still going to make it special in its own right, you know? I think yeah. it's going to be a little more intimate, yeah. maybe. And Elvis and I will be at the pre booth. <laughs> I'm going to say yours. Go. In the West Exhibit Hall all weekend, trying not to kill each other. <laughs> so if you want to be on the podcast, stop by and we can record you live. Or if you just want to say hello, stop by and say hi, and then I will grab you and put you on our podcast. And of course, if you're looking for implant and attachment restorative components, stop by. Sorry, sorry. I just slipped into my pre-roll came I out know. a little bit there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but really. Stop by. Yeah, we'd love to see you. <laughs> no, seriously. Get your <laughs> by now. So the only time that I will not be at the oh, Lord, your lecture minus a bathroom and a food break, yeah. is when I will be speaking at the pre lecture room. And that just happened, right? They just rolled into wanting your ass up there. Oh my! Well, you know, one of our speakers that we had lined up canceled their trip mm. for various COVID reasons, I'm sure. Yeah. And they asked one of their best employees they have to speak, and since she wasn't available, <laughs> good old Elvis is going to be filling in. But because Chris and Ruben are already talking about implant parts and attachments, I'm going to be talking about my experiences in the lab and the podcast and how I use those skills to help market the lab I used to be at. Great. It should be a lot of fun. 
You'll get to hear me unedited and possibly uncensored. Who knows? Well, I look forward to the fact that you're doing that from 945 to 1045, which means I can roll in at about 1115. So, Because <laughs> if you're lecturing, I'm sleeping. And I probably won't be in the mood to record before the presentation. I'll be too nervous. So head over to this episode's show notes for a link to register or the LMT website for the presentation that I call Using Your Awkwardness to Market Your Lab. Because if you've ever met me, I am super awkward. Mm-hmm. Are you giving yourself a compliment or no? Well, it goes both ways. You know, I am awkward. I get it. I've embraced it and I've used it. <laughs> it all happens Saturday morning from 945 to 1045. So make sure you come by, register, and, you know, bring some eggs to throw. Who knows? We'll have some fun. Okay. So this week, we have a super cool treat for everybody. The Asiga printer has been mentioned many, many times on this podcast, either during one of our many ads we've done for our good friends at Whitmix, or to the many guests that have mentioned that the Asiga is their printer of choice. But just recently, Asiga has set up a North American headquarters, and they brought on Corey Lambertson to run it. I think you pronounced that correctly. I know I did this time. All right. I practiced. Mm Mm-hmm. You need to. Corey grew up in a lab and eventually became a technical support manager at Whitmix, the company that originally brought the Asiga printer over. But now Corey is running all things Asiga. Corey talks about the history of the printer, why the Asiga stands out above the other printers, how the Asiga printer does some of the amazing things it's known for, which a lot of it is above my head, mm-hmm. and what's next for this printing company that is miles ahead of some of the other printers. So join us as we chat with Corey Lambertson. And now a special message from our good friend, Norbert Ulmer from Grow3x. If you want to save and also grow, Grow3x is where you should go. Resins to print night guards for high impact and flex. Look no further because we have them at Grow3x. Burrs for your mills, zirconia for your crowns, With Grow3x, you will be the hottest lab in town. And last but not least, if you seriously want to grow, add Grow3x aligners and your doctors will say, wow. Be sure to check out all Grow3x has to offer at Grow3x.com. That's G-R-O, the number three, X.com. And as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast. Thank you. Voices from the Bench, The Interview. We'd like to welcome to the podcast today, Corey Lambertson. Am I saying that right? Absolutely. Why do I question myself after I say it? Corey Lambertson, welcome to the podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. And honestly, don't worry about the last name, the Lambert son. It actually throws a lot of people off, surprisingly. I'm surprised. Why? <laughs> Lambertson, Lambertson. We get a lot of Lambertsons. Gotcha. Well, and even with my first name, Corey, so it's C-O-R-Y, I get a lot of E-Y with that, and it doesn't really bother me. Only It only bothers me if somebody spells my name wrong after, you know, like they've seen my name spelled right like a gazillion times. Yeah. <laughs> that, that bothers me. But. Well, what's funny is you're here to talk about a printer called a Sega. <laughs> which I'm sure is mispronounced a lot too. We get Asiago. Yeah. I get Asija, Asigo. 
probably honestly the the funniest one is when they call it the Asiago, like like we're selling bread. Like yeah. you know, like yeah. can we get the Asiago cheese bagel yeah. uh, printer? And so it is Asiga. And honestly, the name was picked because there was no other meaning for it. There, I mean, it's just Asiga. There's no meaning behind it. It oh. literally meant nothing. And so So you're telling me the printer does not print any sort of food. No, no. I've already um, lost interest. No, I'm just kidding. That's actually not funny, yet. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure as time goes on, you know, there's going to be some sort of polymer out there that's edible. Uh, just not today. All, full disclosure: do not eat your resin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go to that restaurant. My 3D printed meal. Have you seen the 3D printed houses? I have. Yes. Those are pretty cool. Yeah, I would take that in a heartbeat. In fact, with and we'll get into a Sega in, yeah, absolutely. Uh, here, here in a little bit, but the it really crossed my mind to have a home 3D printed. I yeah. Think so, Corey, let's start off because you didn't just get into the business via the Asiga printer. You've been in it for a while. Yeah. So a little bit of my history. So I actually, I'm, I, I call myself a lab rat. And so my dad, my father owned a dental laboratory called Heartland Dental Lab for a number of years, not associated with Heartland Group. And so he owned that, I think, for 40 plus years. And so I grew up around it. Where was that? It was actually located in a small town of Hillsdale, Michigan. Okay. Wow, Michigan. That's where I was born. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a Michigander by heart and actually am again since we moved back. But the, yeah, so I I started, you know, I remember when I was 10, 12 years old, pouring up models for my dad in the lab. And then from there, I went off to college and uh, received my bachelor's degree in finance. And then my dad, he was actually transitioning the lab from a analog lab to a digital lab. This is, you know, 12, 13 years ago. And he was like, hey, I'm buying this system from 3Shape. Do you want to come work for me? And I was like, you know what? I don't have a job. (laughs) I just graduated college. Yeah, I'll come work for you. (laughs) And so so I worked for my dad for a number of years. And then I actually transitioned on to Whitmix Corporation, which is where I was introduced to the company Asiga. And so I worked Mm -hmm. at Whitmix for about almost seven years. I think it was like six and a half years total, which is where I grew my appreciation for Asiga. We brought on the line. We were exclusive at that point in time. Actually, that's where I became to know the owner of Asiga and and the partners there at Asiga. And my love for the company just grew because it's a phenomenal printer. When you just stand back and look at it, everything that's involved with it being open and just the culture of the company behind it. When I was approached by them to work for them, I was like, shoot, yeah, I'm going to take that in a heartbeat. And so the, um, yeah, so that's that's kind of how I got to a Sega and a little bit of a little bit of the history. And funny thing is, when I was at my dad's laboratory, we actually contacted a Sega for a sample for a 3D printed model. And so oh. we were uh, we, when we were transitioning digital, well, I was like, hey, I want to get a sample from this printer company. It looks kind of cool. We ended up not getting the sample. So I think now, now that I work for the company, I could probably fulfill that sample request. <laughs> we're a little late though. Yeah. Is your dad's lab still around? Actually, he just retired. Okay. Yep. This last year in 2021, he closed up the doors and, and finally retired. So he's he's living the good life and, and uh, not going into the lab every day. Good for him. That's fantastic. How is introducing 3Shape into that environment? Really, when you had no real lab background, right? I mean, other than just helping out. Yeah, other than just helping out, honestly, you know, it was fairly easy because, I mean, 3Shape is so intuitive and it i think the version we were running 
I think it was like 2.8.8. So if anybody remembers that version of three shape, that's when we were introduced to it. At least at my dad's lab. Was that a bad version? <laughs> no, actually it was like, it was like one of the earlier versions. It was yeah. when the sculpt toolkit was like, I don't know how familiar you are with three shape, but the smooth tool was like yeah. amazing in that version. <laughs> and then they like detuned it throughout the years. And so I think now it's back to where it was, but yeah. it was pretty simple, you know, transitioning into, into digital with a three shape setup. Uh, and then from there we did even have a 3D systems, 3D printer, the little coffee maker ProJet 1200, uh, which is actually where I received my first taste of 3D printing. Hmm. Uh, you know, I've been working with 3D printers for, I guess it's about 11, 11, 12 years now. Wow. When they approached you and asked you to come work for them, what is your role with the company? Absolutely. So my role at Asiga, I'm actually the general manager of Americas. And so that means I'm the conduit piece for the Americas, so Canada, uh, United States, uh, Mexico, Latin America, and South America, to the HQ or headquarter office in Australia. Wow. And so we are actually in process of opening up a U.S. headquarters. And so we're in Ann Arbor, Michigan. In fact, it's getting painted today. We will be having a, a grand opening once it's officially completed and we have all of our furniture, but we're literally you know, I would say a month, maybe two away from being able to have our official grand opening, which we're extremely excited about. How big is that facility? So we're actually 3,400 square feet. Wow. And so it's, it's, we're not a huge warehouse. So we have really, it's a technical office. And so Asiga has had a technical office in Germany for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And now it's just time to have it in, in the U.S., and so we'll have a, a training facility. We'll have a small warehouse for like spare parts and consumables, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, we'll also have a showroom and we will be facilitating some major repairs if necessary. And so it's it's something that's been needed for a while for Asiga to actually have representation here in the U.S., especially since we've grown so much in the dental lab industry. I mean, it, the Asiga has been a proven powerhouse 3D printer for dental. I have heard that name a lot. I see it on Facebook a lot. I'm sure Elvis, you as well. So I definitely uh, agree that it's taken off. Yeah, I visit a lot of labs these days and I'll go into them and every printer, you got people that love them and you got people that hate them, that have people that regret buying them. But I don't think I've ever heard a lab that has an Asiga say, I'm having trouble with it or I wish I didn't get it. Or I wish I went another route. It's always positive. Yeah. And I think, honestly, that comes to our principles behind what we manufacture. And so the number one thing we look at for manufacturing a 3D printer is accuracy. Mm -hmm. We then look at repeatability and dependability. And then the third thing we look at is being open. And so when we look at all other 3D printers in the dental industry, they're they're all closed 3D printers. And what I mean is not closed from a software standpoint, but closed from a material science standpoint. And so we are one of the only truly open 3D printers in the dental lab industry that allows you to plug in any material from any manufacturer. And really the main concept behind that is, you know, as a 3D printer manufacturer, we're not there next to your patient or working, you know, side by side, this patient that is needing this treatment in particular treatment, we can't dictate what material is best for the patient. Really, that needs to be able to be discovered by the laboratory in conjunction with the clinician or the doctor and saying, hey, you know what, I feel like this material is going to be best treatment for this patient's needs. 
And by having an open source 3D printer, we allow our end users to have that. And I think that is really what has contributed to our success. Oh, I would absolutely agree. Yeah, it's definitely a great selling point, it being open. Yeah. Do you guys sell materials also that do go with the Asiga? We do. So we do manufacture our own line of materials. And so uh, we have a Denta series. And so we have Denta model, Denta cast. Uh, we have a new material called Denta form, which is like a model material for vacuum forming. It's just heat resistant, hmm. uh, which is really unique material. We have a white model material called Denta study. And then we also have some biocompatible materials that we're working on. And so we do have a surgical guide material that is available along with a denture base, denture tooth and a really cool indirect bonding tray material. So on the orthodontic side, the indirect bonding tray material, which is for placing brackets, it really needs to be a nice flexible material, but also fairly strong and resistant from tearing. And it's actually probably the best indirect bonding tray material I've ever seen. Hmm. But beyond that, we have over, I believe now the number grows like every day. I think we have over 500 validated resins available to be used in the Sega. How can you have that many? Wow. There's that many, and I would say probably 75% of those, if not 80% now, is all dental. Huh. And so the you know the, the dental market for resins has just blown up in the last year, year and a half. And so with that, it's great to be able to have such a versatile machine allowing us to validate on so many different materials. So you mentioned that the Asiga comes out of Australia? Yeah, absolutely. So we actually, we're based out of Sydney, Australia. And do you get to go there? <laughs> I haven't yet. The uh, COVID kind of put a wrench in that, uh, you know, the end of last year. Sure. And then me and my wife were actually expecting. Oh, Aww. congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We have our, our first child coming. And so with that, that's going to, that will slightly delay that trip as well. Post baby though, I, I should be able to make the trip over and, and hopefully it'll be at a point where I would love for my wife to come along too. Absolutely. I hear it's beautiful over there. Yeah. So it's out of Australia. What's the history of the Asiga? I mean, did it start in dental? Actually, no. So we actually started in jewelry. And so the the company itself, the owner of the company actually saw a 3D printer at a trade show. And he thought it was the coolest thing. You know, it was, it was actually back in 2007. So he saw a 3D printer at a trade show and he was like, you know what? I think I can make one of these. I think I can make <laughs> one of these great. And so he actually bought a 3D printer and took it apart to kind of understand it a little bit more. And he reassembled a 3D printer back to the format that he thought would work best. And it turned out to be a phenomenal 3D printer. Everything was accurate. And that was actually kind of how Asiga was born. So in 2011, we actually took our first 3D printer called a Pico. It was a cute little, cute little printer. And the Pico, we actually took it to a jewelry show, JCK. And that's actually where we started. Really? And so wow. we... We started in jewelry. Really, the jewelry industry was like the first industry to take on like 3D printing for production. And so they were like printing like wax patterns and then you would invest it, burn it out and then cast it. And from there, you know, we actually got into audiology and then dental. And so dental is really the third industry that we really started to get into. We are the number one 3D printer used in, in audiology, which is really cool. So if you have a custom made hearing aid, there's a really good chance it was actually printed on an Asiga 3D printer. Wow. I think Elvis and I have heard both of those things, haven't we, Elvis? About the yeah, lots of jewelry. And the jewelry. Yep. Yeah. It's it's amazing that it all starts there and then here it is in, you know, the medical field. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it keeps expanding even further because really it's all, you know, at least for a Sega, the printers are here. It's the materials that keep evolving. And so as new materials come out, it keeps unlocking more and more applications. And so we'll see different industry partners like Keystone on the dental side, or Whitmix, or even Dent Supply Serona with their denture material now being validated on a Sega. I heard that. Wasn't that like yeah. announced like today or yesterday or something? Actually, it was announced a couple of weeks ago, or actually, sorry, a couple of months ago. I'm like on the, it. <laughs> the partnership that actually the resin profiles for the Sega Max were just released. And so the Max validation has been completed and now the Asiga Pro 4K, which is our larger format printer, that is going through the final processes for validation. That should be released soon for the dense applied material. And then we see crazy materials coming from uh, companies like Polyspectra or Henkel Loctite uh, on the industrial application side, which is just a whole nother beast of being able to print. So... So what other industries is it in? Yeah, so we're, besides jewelry, audiology, and dental, Yeah, we also have a touch in microfluidics. And Say so what? <laughs> microfluids. We can actually print on our, we have a, a series called the Max X series, and the X stands for extreme resolution. Now, it is a, a smaller build platform, so it's not suitable for dental. Mm-hmm. However, we can print... Uh, small channels down to about 25 to 50 microns. And so we can print a channel about the size of a human hair, for example, in a structure. And so there's research into institutions that are studying how diseases are controlled and affected. And if they need to split up cells or divide different applications or study fluids, uh, we have microfluidics. And so we actually print what are called microchips. Uh, which are used to study microfluids. So like I just went to a conference and they were one of the main areas of study was like cancer research. And so there's a chance that a 3D printer is going to be utilized for cancer research and hopefully find that that cure for whatever major disease it is. And so it's a really cool study. It's I don't know enough about it. I know enough to be kind of dangerous, but <laughs> it's still way above my head. But it, it's still really cool that we're in that industry. And then beyond microfluidics, we're really diving into also just general additive manufacturing. And so from the industrial application side, uh, we can actually 3D print end use parts for a wide range of industries, whether it's for electrical components or automotive uh, or whatever it may be. We can actually print not just prototypes now, but also end use parts. Are you going to be printing shoes? Isn't that the great thing that everyone does on printers (laughs) these days? You know, we can. Absolutely. There so <laughs> there's a material from Henkel Loctite where we could actually 3D print shoe soles, you bet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is the coolest thing. You know, I, I have yet to have a pair of 3D printed shoes. From what I've heard, they're comfortable, but then I've also heard that they're like the most uncomfortable things. And so I agree. The, yeah. I'll probably yeah. stick with my bands for now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I have a pair. They're all right. I wouldn't run a run in them or anything. <laughs> From what I've seen, I've, it looks like they're developed for running, but yeah. I'm not a real big runner either. <laughs> so when people hear that you're into the Asiga in North America, I mean, I thought, hey, Corey's going to be doing the dental printer, worrying about models. But here you are worrying about cancer research and all sorts of different things. That's pretty amazing. It is, you know, it's not it's just a, printing models, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're no longer, we're no longer printing models. Yeah, absolutely. And so there's so much more out there than, than just dental with 3d printing. And, and we're really, we have our toe in just about all of it. Now, dental is by far the biggest 
I guess, aspect for 3D printing right now, just because every patient is different and there's almost every indication for every patient you can 3D print. And so dental is really the perfect market Mm -hmm. for that. There's just so many different aspects to it. You know, I I had to go through and actually start to study after I started with the company. I was like, I know a lot about ASEA, you know, and I know how to make the printers tick and make them work. And I know a little bit about dental as well. And I went to my first show in Las Vegas, which was for jewelry. And, you know, my world kind of turned upside down. I was like, I need to learn everything again. And so it's it's been an awesome experience so far just because there's so much to learn. You know, you, you will never stop learning in this industry. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So what year did the Asiga start? So we started in 2007. We launched in 2011. And so the product conception came in 2007, but the actual launch of the company did not happen until 2011. Because it took that long to perfect it or? Yeah. Well, yeah, just for, you know, remember this company was started by a, a singular person. And yeah. so we weren't already formed before. And so it, it takes a number of years just to get, get the ball rolling. And, and that was in 2011, we were actually, that's when we launched our first production printer. And yeah. so we actually had a two market piece in 2011. And actually it was revolutionary because we were the very first 3D printer to print on a Teflon membrane. And we we're also the very first 3D printer to print with a LED driven DLP projector which is a standard now. Yeah, and really? So, yeah, yeah. Everybody else was using like incandescent UV light bulbs prior. Hmm. And so nobody's using an, an LED driven projector. And we were the first printer company to do that. Uh, and then beyond that, we were the first inexpensive 3D printer. So we kind of pioneered that way. We were $6,990 for our Pico in 2011, which is unheard of at that point in time for a 3D printer. Yeah, they were all like $60,000, weren't they? Yeah, they were. And in fact, I mean, I don't think we actually made any margin. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we were just trying to make that splash and we did. You know, it was a gutsy move to sell a printer at that price, but I don't think we would be where we are at today if we didn't. Was it open when it first came out since there probably wasn't any resins compatible with it? You know, the, the concept of being an open printer started at the very beginning. And so, yes, we were an open printer in the very beginning, but we really didn't have that many materials available. Hmm. Uh, like you stated now today it's just 500 apparently <laughs> yeah 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 so how many models printers do you guys sell now so currently we have three and so we have the asiga max uh, which has really been the pioneer in, in dentistry we have the asiga max x which is the extreme resolution printer we'll see that being used in in jewelry and microfluidics and then we have our pro 4k and so our asiga pro 4k we were the first 3D printer company to have a 4K projector harnessed in a 3D printer. That we'll see in actually three flavors, I call it. And so we have a Pro 4K 45, a Pro 4K 65, and a Pro 4K 80. The Pro 4K 80 UV is what we see predominantly in dental. The Pro 4K 65, we'll see that in jewelry. And then the Pro 4K 45, we'll see that one in microfluidics. And the the main difference between those three is going to be the XY resolution and the build plate size, build platform. Wow. So what do you mean by the XY? Isn't that the direction? Yeah. yeah. So you you would think that. So if we look at 3D printer accuracy, we're looking at XY resolution. And so an XY resolution relates to pixel size coming from the projector. And so I think the best way to see this is if you were to look at like television screens, for example, and how they have evolved over the years. Mm -hmm. So if we look at, for example, a 1080p television screen, and if you go up real close to an 
you can see that the image is made up of all these little dots, thousands yep. of dots, yep, and yep. those are actually pixels. And so those thousands of pixels, if we look at those, if we were to make the pixel smaller, the image that we'd be getting is more accurate or a truer projection of what we're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. yep. And so if we look at like a 1080p screen and then look at a 4K screen, you're going to see that a 4K screen is going to have more detailed pixels. And so that XY resolution or pixel resolution, if it is a smaller pixel, will actually get a more detailed structure. And so really when you're looking at printer resolution, it's on the pixels and the XY projection. And so the smaller the feature size you can print, the more accurate a structure can be. And so if you look at like, for example, like our Sega Max line, the Sega Max UV, which is the predominant printer for dental, for a desktop unit, that has a 62 micron pixel versus if you're to look at like, for example, our Pro 4K, 80, we actually have a 56 micron pixel. And the reason why it's actually smaller is because it is using a 4K projector. So a smaller pixel and a more detailed resolution. Wow. That makes a lot more sense to me now. Does that mean it takes longer to print? Nope, actually not at all. And so that's what a lot of people think like, well, if it's smaller and more detailed resolution, it's going to take more to print. With DLP technology, we have to remember we're using a DLP projector and it's going to project a whole image all at once. And so we're actually going to cure a whole layer of resin at one go. And so that one projection, it doesn't matter if there's one model or 30 models on the build plate, it's only going to take that matter of a couple seconds to cure. Versus mm -hmm. other technologies, for example, if we were to step away from like DLP technology and move over to stereolithography laser, that actually uses a laser that has to draw on the, actually think of it as like reverse milling, essentially. We're actually going to draw a image of every single object that's on there and you have to draw one object at a time. If that laser was smaller, so for example, creating a smaller XY resolution, it would take longer with stereolithography laser. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It is wild. I was just, just trying to picture it in my head. It's it's some pretty crazy technology when you really... It is. And once you finally understand XY resolution and how it works, then we get to throw in Z layer resolution. Come on now, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the Z layer resolution is how thick of layers you're printing in. Yeah. And so the, the thinner the layers, the more detailed a structure can be. The thicker the layers the more stair-stepped or topographical map it was going to look like. Oh, yeah. I remember old technology, the printers, you'd see the lines. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can still see the lines depending on what layer resolution it's printed in and depending on the printer. And You know, we're very fortunate at Asiga. We have a technology called the Smart Positioning System, and we actually monitor every layer formation. And so we actually know we're reaching true layer thicknesses where – all other printers on the market, they guess that they're reaching a true layer thickness before they expose the light. They'll actually, you'll be able to see more layers or see layer discrepancies on our printers versus ours. We're about to kick into trade show season. Mm -hmm. As we get into the trade shows, swing by in a Sega booth and check out our models. You'll be able to see the difference in overall quality immediately. So speaking of, are you going to trade shows this year? Are you going to Chicago? Yeah, so we will be exhibiting at Chicago. So we will be at Lab Day. Because of our newborn-to-be, I will not physically be there. 
Yeah. Uh, however, we will have a team there representing Asiga. So we do have a booth at Chicago, and we also have a booth over at CDS. And so at this point in time, we're still going. You know, it's always unknown of what's going to happen in the future. I'm sure you guys heard there were some other key players in the industry that did pull from the mm-hmm. show. So. I'll be curious to see what happens, but I think we're all ready for everything to get back to normal. Yeah, no doubt. You know, what is normal anymore? I think we've been saying the word normal for the last two years. And <laughs> I think if we can just, we all can get back together, that's the most important aspect. And so, Absolutely. I agree. I can't wait to get out of town. I haven't wanted to get out of town in years as much as I do right now. Elvis and I are going to the Visions meeting on uh, Thursday, and I'm looking forward to it. And then Chicago after that, so... I didn't even have vision on my radar. I can't believe I missed that. But even still with the baby coming, I probably wouldn't have been able to leave. But next year, for sure, I'll be at vision. Nice. And this next year, this full year, we'll be pretty busy. So we already have a pretty big scope of shows we'll be at. You know, we'll be at all the lab day shows. We'll be at a couple of the major clinical shows. And then I'm also entertaining, potentially going to like the Florida Dental Lab Association show. I think that show is a lot of fun. Oh, it is. And then uh, it was a star of the North show. I think that show I've heard is really good as well and a lot of fun. And so I think we're going to try to expand it to a couple other dental shows outside of just the, you know, the big three, you know, it's going to be a really good year. And also we're, we're revamping our webinar game as well. And so you will see a, a, quite a few more webinars coming from Asiga too. So I'm, I'm really excited to get that going. Hey, you mentioned clinical shows. Do you have a lot of docs that are using the printers? You know, we do. It's starting to take off. Yes and no. I mean, there's nothing compared to like what we have in the dental laboratory um, sector. The clinical side is starting to take off. You know, it's showing some interest, but they still not like the end answer. Like you can't get rid of a laboratory if you buy a 3D printer. No, no, I wasn't intending to go that direction. I was just curious. Are they using it for like night guards or? Honestly, probably the biggest thing would be like night guards, uh, surgical guides, and then a lot of aligner models. You'd be surprised, but a lot of doctors like to get into doing their own vacuum forming for liner treatment. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's pretty interesting. But honestly, probably the biggest use for a clinical aspect is going to be for either surgical guides or splints at this point in time. Yeah, that's actually where my head was going. Yeah, yeah, maybe temporaries, maybe temporaries, but still the, the biggest aspect is still when owning a 3D printer is getting the design right. Yeah, you know, and so that's where a lot of that, that extra time has to come into play. And the uh, laboratories just have that mastered, you know, I mean, being able to design a crown in, in two to three minutes or five minutes and yeah, or whatever it may be. I don't see it as a threat to us at all. I was just curious as to what part of it that they were using it for. I mean, you've got to really, I mean, dentists don't have a lot of time to do anything these days. I can't imagine one would spend that much time designing models and things, but Hey, more power to them if they are. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We'll see how it you know goes over the next couple of years. But yeah, the biggest thing would definitely be the, I think splints for sure. Yeah. And there, there's so many cool materials. You know, like the key splint soft is just such a forgiving material. And there's, I think it's probably the most popular splint material available today because of its being so forgiving. Yeah. I don't know a whole heck of a lot about any of those things or surgical guides for that matter. I was just um, curious. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's starting to take off. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Now, are you guys still both in the laboratories or you guys, you guys are no longer in laboratories, correct? Oh, I am. You are? <laughs> Every day. Barb is. <laughs> okay. I got out. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, not really. You no, sort of are still in I'm labs. Just kidding. You haven't gotten out. Yeah. I don't think you'll ever. I mean, it's once you're in the dental lab industry, no matter where you move next, you're still always in it. I, think. I get to work with more labs now. I love it. Yeah, yeah that's that's got to be a lot of fun. So do you do you travel a lot for visiting all the laboratories? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's half the fun. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier you starting with Whitmix. And I know Whitmix was the company that brought Asiga to America. Were you there when this started? I was, actually. How did this all come about? How did they meet? So when Asiga was brought to Whitmix, you know, let's we'll have to view it from my point of view. Sure. I was just a entry-level support technician at the time. And so I wasn't able to see like the true formations of how it actually got there. But I believe there was a introduction from another dental company to the top management team at Whitmix mm-hmm. that said, hey, you know, you guys should take a look at Asiga. At the point in time when I was at Whitmix for that, I guess in that time period, we were playing with another printer uh, from another company and it just... It just kept having issues after issues after issues. And because of the issues, I was very fortunate. I was able to travel to Germany a couple of times and explore it. That was a lot of fun. And thank goodness for those issues because I wouldn't have had that chapter in my life. Yeah. Uh, but then we, you know, we were introduced to a Sega and they, uh, they brought it in and they shipped us two units. And we went ahead and unboxed it. It's actually me and another technician. So Evan Kemper at Whitmix, he's still there. He's an application engineer, brilliant kid. Uh, I can't call him a kid. He's older than me. Brilliant guy, really good friend of mine. Uh, he was in my wedding. I was in his wedding. We actually sat down and Wimix had, we had our own line of resin at that point in time. And we unboxed these printers from Asiga. We actually received two Pico 2s and we're like, hey, you know what? Let's see if we can make these printers print our resin. They say mm. it's open source. Let's try it. Let's prove it. And yeah. This is day one of getting an Asiga. We went ahead and calibrated our own material within about 30 minutes. And we're up and printing removal dye models with dyes that would snap fit in perfect. What? And so right when that happened, when we printed that first model, we were like, this is a winner. It was phenomenal. And so that's actually how ASEA came to be at Whitmix. And so, you know, it was just the, the perfect fitment. Whitmix had the juice and then ASEA came to be. From there, it was, you know, I think we, we were selling it for, I think we had exclusivity for a couple of years. And then the market just got so big and, you know, one reseller just can't fit every single sale yeah. no for way. every single customer and so yep. that's when Asiga branched out and and so now I think we have close to um, I want to say it's about 12 resellers in North America oh really and the number of those in dental hmm. and it's never your intention to sell direct right yeah we can't sell direct and I, I wouldn't ever want to sell direct yeah. uh, there's quite a few 3D printer companies that do and the way that I look at it as the general manager of America is that I can't hire a sales force like our resellers have. Mm-hmm. And so our resellers just do such a phenomenal job and they know the product so well. Going and selling direct, it would be nearly impossible. Plus, it'd be a nightmare from the logistics standpoint and for the customs and, and duties and whatever it may be for transferring them the product over from Australia to the U.S. It'd be a nightmare for our customers to have to experience. Yeah. That. You mentioned that when you first got that Asiga you validated or you got your resin to work within 30 minutes. Yeah. Help me understand how you take a resin the printer doesn't already know. How do you get it to know it? I don't understand what exactly you have to tell it. Yes. If it's a brand new resin to an ecosystem, you have to find what is called the exposure value or the exposure times. And so there's a burn-in exposure and there's a normal layer exposure. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And so how a burn-in exposure, we have to find with that material, that exact material, we have to find the characteristic of how much exposure time is needed to get the resin to stick to the build plate for the first layer. And then from there, we have to find normal layer exposure time, which is just enough exposure to create the exact layer thickness, plus get that layer to attach to the previous layer that was formed. And so each material has its own cure curve, we call it. And Mm -hmm. so there's a a certain characteristic that happens to the resin when light is attached to it or a light is projected to it. I have a quick question. I have some guys, we're getting in the the office paint right now and there's sanding going on in the background. Can you hear that? Yeah, barely, but it's no big deal. Okay. I just want to make sure because they're like, they're sanding the wall right behind me and it, I can hear it pretty good. And so no, I think it's all right. Elvis <laughs> hears everything. I think they're almost off this wall. <laughs> You're not kidding. You're in the middle of building this place. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's happening right now. <laughs> but the cool thing is once we get paint on, it's just a matter of throwing in furniture. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good for you. I'm just so excited. Cause we're like right at the, the light is right at the end of the tunnel. And I mean, I think, Elvis, you and me connected, I think, August. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, And I was like, hey, you know, here in a couple weeks, <laughs> we're going to be opening up. Let me, let's get into the call. And here we are five months later, and it's finally <laughs> getting to the, <laughs> the end of that tunnel. So. so you were mentioning with the printer that it's all about almost time and temperature, I guess, or time really, and light. It's really the intensity of the light in the amount of time. So how do you dial that down? Just trial and error? Well, actually, so there's proprietary processes for a SEGA where we actually have an internal radiometer. And so our projectors have an internal tool that measures the exact intensity of light coming from the projector. Uh And so we actually create a, a cure curve for every material. And that cure curve itself, when we're looking at it, if that cure curve Let's say if it takes, this is going to sound really scientific. I'm going to sound really smart for 30 seconds. I promise I'm not this smart. (laughs) So there's going to be like, let's say we're trying to print a model or a structure that's 50 micron layers. Mm -hmm. And let's say to be able to cure that 50 microns, it takes a dosage of light equivalent to 10. And so I I believe an actual technical term would be like millijoules. And so that would be milliwatts times time and so let's say if it is 10 millijoules equals a 50 micron cure the printer itself is going to look at the current intensity coming from the projector and let's say if the current intensity coming from the projector was five milliwatts per centimeter squared well then that cure curve is going to say hey let's take this 10 and let's divide it by the five to get the exact time needed to cure And so, for example, if we're trying to cure 50 micron layers of this exact material at a five milliwatt intensity, it would take two seconds of exposure to cure that layer. There's a whole formula in the background for how this is all approached and how the material is cured, but every material we validate has a cure curve. And every printer we have has a different intensity. And with this internal radiometer, we can automatically predict and calculate, not even just not, not just a prediction, but actually calculate the exact exposure time needed to cure the exact layer thickness. And so that's what's really, you know, besides the, the layer monitoring technology we touched on earlier, this internal radiometer is what really makes the printer so versatile to the different materials. So it almost does it for you. 
it does it for you. It does the material calibration for you once you have this profile set. And so we have what are called material INI files. And we have all of those material INI files from validated resins listed on our website. And a user can go ahead and just grab it and import it into their printer and start using that instantaneously. There's no extra calibration needed. Let's say if there was a material that wasn't been validated. Let's say, mm-hmm. you know, there's a XYZ company comes out with this material and it's like the next holy grail dental resin. Mm-hmm. And if it's not validated on a SEGA, we actually have a document that explains this process. We'll go ahead and email it to the user and then they can go ahead and go through that validation themselves. And if they struggle with it, then they can also send it to us and we can help them along that validation. So they can use the new material, even though it's not validated and validated themselves. That's pretty awesome. Absolutely. I'm sure I wouldn't be able to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. I had bad flashbacks of high school math there for a second. (laughs) There is no way. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) That's just like the tip of it. There's a a whole other... Don't go too deep, man. Don't go too (laughs) deep. Yeah. I try not to go into that extent because your eyes will glaze over and it, you know, it's just... There's no point after that. Yeah, it's (laughs) fascinating though. It really is. And so if you ever have the opportunity to watch an Asiga printer run, just watch it. It's pretty unique. You know, it, it... it's not like everybody else, and, and that's really why we love Asiga so much. Yeah. The printers that I had at the lab I was at, it was it knew what resin you were using. You didn't have to do anything. You know what I mean? You, you put it in there, and it was like, oh, it's this resin, and it did its thing. I find it fascinating that you can bring in up to 500 different resins. It's just it's crazy. Yeah, with no extra accessories or calibrations needed. Yeah, that's you, cool. you literally just import in a file. It's just a, actually, it's just a text file that tells the printer how to operate for that given material. That's insane. It is. It really is. I'm assuming you guys have a material to print dentures. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, we have, technically we have quite a few since we're open. And so we have the Asiga Denta base material, which is for our own denture base resin. And then we have Asiga Denta tooth, which is our denture tooth resin. Mm-hmm. That's still going through FDA clearance. It is biocompatible, but it's still going through the FDA regulation to receive a 510K. But if you look at materials that already have a 510K with a SEGA, yeah. that would be like Denco. Yep. There would also be company Detax, now Dent Supply with their Lucitone material. And there's quite a few other partners that are going through validation as well. So there's a company out there called Graphy, which you guys may have heard of Graphy. They, mm. they made a pretty big wave in the dental industry for directly printing clear aligners. Huh. And so they actually have a resin that has the same properties as a vacuum form plastic. So you wow. can print aligners? Print aligners. Skip the models, print aligners. Wow. That's huge because I know That's we've crazy. talked to a lot of aligner people on this podcast, and it's always been print the models, then make what? the aligners. This is yeah. huge. Yeah, that's like the holy grail for aligners. And yeah, so is. that company, they're based out of Korea. It's called Graphy. Phenomenal company. Um, they have denture resins as well. And so you'll, you'll see so many coming out in the next, really the next couple months, I think. You know, once we get closer to the some of the larger shows and the, especially like at the next IDS, we're going to see quite a few announcements. Yeah, cool. So once they finish your walls and bring you furniture, what exactly are you going to be doing in the North America since you're not building a sales team, but you mentioned training? Yes. So we're going to offer, first and foremost, the technical office is going to be devoted to our resellers. And so all of our resellers, if they need any sort of training on our product line or need any assistance, then that's going to be the first 
Okay. You know, that, that first push for our resellers. And then from there, I like to call it a safe space. <laughs> so the Asiga America is going to be a safe space where if we have any partners, whether it's on the software side, reseller side, resin side, we can actually use our facility and perform different trainings for our customers. And so let's say if there was a resin partner in dentures and a software partner for creating dentures and we have the printer, we could host a two, three day seminar here at our facility on how to complete that workflow. And oh, so okay. that'll be nice. That's another aspect to our, our office where we'll be able to offer that type of end user training and that advanced level training. Right now, how do folks get trained on the printer? Do you guys come out? So right now, uh, for our resellers, we actually have a, like an online portal training, and then we do a hands-on training for resellers. Now, for our customers, the customers, like let's say if you guys bought a printer, then that reseller that you bought the printer from, they would have to provide the training. So mm -hmm. let's say, for example, if you bought a training from NOAC or Whitmix or Articon, or, or whoever it may be, they will actually provide that hands-on training with the printer. Okay, gotcha. I need one of those. <laughs> Printers or training? Printers. <laughs> and then the training. Yeah. Of course. A lot of people compare the Asiga 4K to the other big printers that are out there. It holds up just as well, doesn't it? I mean, the plate size and the speed and everything. It does. Yeah. And so when we compare the Pro 4K to some of the art larger format printers out there, our build plate, I believe, is larger. Completely open, so you get to choose what material you want. You get to own this printer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it definitely holds up for the even the speed itself and so it's very close to similar speeds as some of the the faster advertised printers we can print i think it's up to in it regardless of the surface area we can print about 60 millimeters an hour and that is of course depending on the material itself and characteristics um, and layer resolution but we can have some actually the printers can print extremely fast if programmed that way and that really comes down to if the user wants it to print that fast or not on their yeah Oh, so you can set speed? Yeah, actually. So there's different settings that you can manipulate for the speed of the printer. Also, you can change the layer resolution to different tolerances. For example, I was just on with a customer this morning. They're printing aligner models. They're doing it and you know, I think they're doing 125 micron layers. So it's not the best layer resolution, but for aligner therapy, it's suitable. And they're printing those models. I think it was 13 minutes, a full build plate. Wow. Which is crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> is there is there anything that you lose or gain from speeding it up or slowing it down? Like what would be the reason that you would speed it up? Yeah. So like if you were printing in 125 micron layers, you're going to lose some overall surface quality of the model. It's not going to mm -hmm. look as great, you know, but if you're a liner therapy, it would be suitable versus if you were printing, for example, like a fixed prosthetic model, let's say you're doing implant work or crown and bridge work, then that. I would always want to print in a 50 micron layer resolution. I wouldn't print higher than that. Gotcha. Yeah. So that could be some trial and error too with the people that are using those printers where if their fits are off, you would dial it in right there, correct? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Now we've also seen where like users have like selected maybe the wrong material profile, for example, and that can also cause a little bit of a different fitment. But as long as they're using the proper material profiles for the material, and the appropriate layer thicknesses, they're going to have excellent results. Very cool. 
that's some exciting stuff coming from the Asiga. Like I mentioned, I only hear good things about them, and it's good to know that you're going to be uh, heading up the uh, North America. Yeah, it's it's an exciting time to be part of Asiga, and and we're just so excited to have such a great product out there and also such great customers supporting us. I mean, if it wasn't for our customers, we wouldn't be in this position today to be able to open up our facility in North America. And so we're extremely grateful and we're excited for where the future is going to take us. Yeah. And I'm excited to see uh, the next 500 resins that will be able to be used on the Asiga. <laughs> and I don't know what's after 4k is 5k a thing. I don't know. I think 5k <laughs> is a thing. I'm not too, I think 8k. I've seen some like 8k stuff and so there's um you never know what's gonna come next <laughs> do we just start doubling it after now? <laughs> seriously i don't i think so i don't know i mean it's i don't know we'll, we'll find out what the future brings us but we have some phenomenal engineers on the material side and the on the hardware side and just as time goes on for 3d printing and this is just across the board we're gonna see our technologies just get so much better as, as the years go on and so uh, it's it's here to stay. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you foresee? I mean, I know you're biased to the opinion, but do you foresee milling going away in our industry? I don't think so. Unless they get rid of zirconia. Yeah. I don't think it will ever go away. You don't think we'll see printed zirconia? We no. we do see printed zirconia. Yeah, that's today. what I thought. Yeah. But the just the overall translucency of it and the strength is not going to be comparable to milled. But we said that about milled too. You know what I'm saying? It's just. It's true. We're on this weird area where... Stop trying to make yourself sound so smart. No, we're in this weird thing where what we're saying about printing today is what we said about milling. Maybe. Years ago. Yeah. And zirconia. I, I don't know. I just, I'm curious and excited at the same time. Yeah, I'm. me too. I think we will see some really unique composite resins come out for 3D mm-hmm. printing that will probably close to rival zirconia. Or sorry, milling zirconia. I don't think milling zirconia is gonna go away anytime soon yeah i'd be shocked if it went away in 20 years yeah you know i think it'll be here for quite some time yeah agree well who knows what the next thing will bring but we're sure that a will be in the forefront of it absolutely at least that's the plan yeah absolutely cool Corey. thank you so much for coming on and telling us all about it absolutely thank you for having me thank you for the time and and once we actually have an official grand opening we'll let everybody know there'll be announcements on it and all of our partners and and customers you guys are more than welcome to attend and it'll be a a great time ann arbor michigan right absolutely we're literally a mile away from the big house and so for any university of michigan fans for football we're right down the road for any university of michigan football haters we're right down the road (laughs) (laughs) Either way, it's still really my, cool uh, to see the biggest stadium in the U.S. So I had my Michigan sweatshirt on yesterday at Publix, and this dude comes past me with the same one on. He's like, go blue. Yeah. <laughs> so with living in Louisville for a number of years, you know, it was when I went shopping at the grocery store or whatever, if we went out, if we saw a like a U of M hat or whatever, we'd be like, go blue. And now when I'm shopping, I have to refrain from saying that because literally everybody at Cross has a <laughs> University of Michigan hat. But I was like, it's not so special when I say it because everybody's yeah. <laughs> You're in home territory now. That's right. That's right. Awesome, Corey. Well, thanks so much. Good luck with the uh, baby and family. Sorry yeah. we'll miss you at Lab Day, but we'll see you in future shows. I'll be there in spirit, that's for sure. And next year will be even more fun for, for Chicago because I'll be able to be you know in attendance. But either way, 
this year for Chicago, I hope it's a great show. We will have a booth there. And my colleague, Ken, he's actually the technical manager for Asiga America. He'll be there representing the show. And we'll also have some other team members from us. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Take care. The Asiga Max, the world's most advanced lab 3D printer, offers exceptional productivity. Well over 400 labs in the U.S. can attest to its accuracy, speed, and precision. With a 62 micron print precision, the Max is optimized for both the dental lab or the clinical environment. Its exclusive SPS smart positioning system technology guarantees that every single layer is formed accurately resulting in consistent results in any environment. And its single point calibration makes calibration extremely accurate and fast. As an open material system, you can print any suitable resin from any material manufacturer. Your choice, no strings. The Max also features the fastest material changeover of any 3D printer. Labs love this. Change completely from one print resin to another in under 30 seconds, which is really amazing because you and I both know how hard that is. All of this and the finest, most dependable technical support staff in the dental lab industry. Call Whitmix today or visit Whitmix.com to find out more about the Asiga Max. And as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast, Whitmix. A huge thanks to Corey for coming on our podcast and telling the tale of the Australian printer that has taken over our industry. And it sounds like many other industries. With over 500 resins available, I don't know what you couldn't print, and I'm sure the food industry is next, Elvis. Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) I know labs are big on the ability to use equipment in a way that fits their workflow, and having anything that is open source gives your lab the flexibility it needs to succeed. So if interested in getting an Asiga printer, give any of their authorized resellers a call. Thanks again for coming on our podcast, Corey, and good luck in your new role. All right, everybody. That's all we got for you. Hopefully we'll see you in two weeks. Have a good one. Bye. I get it. I don't get it. I just said that so I sound cooler. <laughs> She's laughing.